Okay, we're ready. It's another episode of Talking Balls. Okay, I got a jam-packed episode ready for you guys. I got my boy Derek here with me. I'm going to have a couple other buddies coming on in the middle of the call. Um, we're going to be discussing UFC. Deej and I are going to touch on NFL and MLB. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into it. So, Deej, how are you? Doing swell, brother. Just enjoying a good vegan meal. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Seems oh. like I just talked to you yesterday here in the sack. Uh, but we're back. Look, episode nine, right? We're moving right along. As you can see, a few episodes ago, I brought up the Talking Balls logo here on the TV. We got the mic working. We got external hard drive. Okay, I got space now. Okay, yeah. I'm pumping this shit out. All right. And I'm not going to curse anymore this episode. That was the one and only. Enjoy it. Hey, That's all you're getting. Good for you. That's all you're getting. I've been told I, I curse a lot, and I take offense to that. You're an expressive man. Uh, so before we get started, Deidre, are you thirsty? Because I'm kind of thirsty, dog. <clears throat> I, could, uh, I could quench some thirst. You well, want? Would, would you look at that? Hey. Cheers. Cheers. Well, now I'm drunk. <laughs> As we do on Talking Balls, we're going to fill that thing up right there. Please do double cup love, baby. Double cup love. You the one I lean on. Sir, yes, sir. Hey, we're two minutes into the pod. My guest has disappeared. Anyway, <clears throat> let's get into it. Look, we're missing a guest tonight. Uh, Tone is not with us, but we remember him on this day. And we are <laughs> going to go over the bets that he placed first because, to be honest, he had a great day on the card in NFL. Um, so starting at the top, Jets money line against the Broncos, cash it. Bucks minus 13, probably the worst play, not just by tone, but by anybody on the face of the earth. Uh, they lost the game. If yeah. you live under a rock, they're trash. Tits minus two and a half, cash that. We were talking about it on the pod last week. Deej and Tone were on the tits and I was on the Colts. It is what it is. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a good play by them. Raiders minus seven hit 38 to 20 easy money. Um, and before we get into the anytime TDs, which actually performed pretty well on the day, we're going to get into tones, bitch ass teaser. Uh, after a win this week with dolphins money line and giants plus 10, we said it couldn't lose last week. I felt good about it. Tone said it with confidence. It was, it was a lock. Dolphins made it scary. Steelers um, they should have maybe, but it's a prime time game. It's a prime time game. It's going to go back and forth. Dolphins ended up winning. Tone's bitch ass teaser moves to two and two. Um, and we will have one for you in week eight as well. Anytime touchdowns, Mike Evans, no. Lamar Jackson, no. Travis Etienne, which we will talk about later in the episode, yes. Mm -hmm. TJ Hawkinson, see you later, no. Jared Goff played, uh, he played blind, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Kittle hit. Um, that was kind of pain. And for me in fantasy anyway. And then Kyle Pitts did not hit. So look. Jets hit, tits hit, Raiders hit, and you had two anytime touchdowns and a teaser. So, I mean, that's that's four or five wins right there, two of them at, at plus juice, good plus juice. So, Tone made you some money in week seven. Uh, hopefully, he can carry that momentum into week eight. I'm going to go next. I had a few plays for you. Giants plus four, cash that. They're the best team in the league, maybe. Who said it? They're I don't up. know. They're up. Colts plus three. Um, I did like them. 
uh, we will talk about. I have a new thing in the league. It's my blacklist and the Colts. Congratulations. You fucking made my blacklist. Oh, losers. Fricking. Fricking. Nah, we're going to say fricking losers. Colts plus three. What an L that was. Uh, Texans plus seven. Look, the reason I took that one, I thought the Texans were competitive in many games this year. Raiders popped. I mean, I could see how the Raiders won by seven, given the talent that they have on paper. But I thought the Texans would be competitive. They weren't. Josh Jacobs ran all over the world on them. Uh, so that one was an L. Chiefs and 49ers over 48. I told you last week on the pod, I, I remember it vivid, vividly. I said, I don't know what the number is. Take it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it hit pretty easily. Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs, they covered it almost by themselves at 44 points. So that was easy money. Dolphins minus six. Um, that was a push. So on, on the outcomes of the games with the spreads, uh, I gave you a good two, two, and one. You lost a little bit. You didn't win anything. But two and two and one, it's not bad. If you took any anytime touchdowns, obviously, I'm sorry. None of them hit. Um, but you should be managing your units when you're placing those, obviously. <laughs> and I'm offering that advice as I never do that. I place the same on everything. But um, obviously, when we give those plays out, you know, it's just for something for you guys to look at. We don't expect you to take every single one. Mm-hmm. Deej, you have the floor with your plays, please. First, I'd like to plug this in real quick. Uh, KC Current, they're in the ship this weekend on Saturday, October 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern. CBS, tune in. Mighty fine ball club. We're going to win the chip. Now let's go over bets. First one, Falcons plus six and a half. I think that's the first time this week or this uh, year they haven't covered. Yeah, they, they'd been a good, good program. Yeah. Cover. Tits minus two and a half. Yes. Ravens minus six and a half. Only one by three against the – we're not cussing. The Browns. Correct. Uh, and then we have Steelers plus seven and a half. Love that. Covered. Uh, only lost by six. Mahomes over pass yards. Don't remember what the over was, but he hit that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, another line. We don't look at the number, he, dude. We just uh, think if he's going off or not. Over. <laughs> no, let me just check. Yeah, bro. 423 yards. That's easy, bro. It was probably, it was probably like around three. Yeah, it was around 300. That's easy money. So that was easy. Good day on the board. Um. Yeah, but Ravens minus six and a half. I'm kind of out on Ravens, at least on covering. I like them as a ball club, but I feel like they just don't like to cover. So, Well, they have fourth quarter issues, which have been well documented throughout the course of this season thus far. Uh, we will get to them in a minute. But look, three sheets, one of them was neutral. The other two were positive. So look, you think this is a game. Uh-huh. I'm here to inform you this is not a game. Not okay? no game. Mm-mm. You think Bengals minus 10 and a half a few weeks ago is a game. This is not a game. You understand game. me? All Same right. We're giving, you, we're, we're giving you winners. I say fades, but we're giving you some winners. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not telling you to tell us because we might go over next week. We but you just never know because we had a good card here. So with that being said, we're going to move right along in this episode. Um, DJ and I have compiled a top 15 list of our ball clubs for you. And the reason we're doing this today is kind of switch it up a little bit for you guys, but also uh, the top 15 list that was released preseason has been thoroughly jacked up through the first seven weeks of the season. So we're going to dissect that for you right now. Um, Top 15. Let me go first. We're going to go in segments of five teams. We're going to give you bottom five, middle five, and then top five. We're going to go back and forth. Keep up, okay, because we're going quick. Number 15, we have the Rams coming in. Uh, they sit, as of today, 
with a three and four record, or I'm sorry, a three and three record. They had a bye last week. Um, they're sitting record-wise in the middle of the league with a lot of other teams. And when you look at that group of teams, I like them to turn it around. So they made my top 15 list. Number 14, I have Chargers. Listen, another ball club. I feel like this is a common theme throughout the NFL. Another ball club that is severely underperforming. They are dealing with injuries, but so is everyone. So that's not an excuse. But I love this team to turn it around. I think they can make noise if they can get to the playoffs. So they make my list at 14. Number 13 is Ravens. The only reason that sure, if you need to, the only reason they make my list is because they have an MVP caliber player in Lamar Jackson. With that being said, after the first three weeks of the seasons, I'm not going to run through the stats. You guys go do your homework and do that yourself. He was MVP the first three weeks from weeks four to seven. Not so much. Okay. If you guys have him in fantasy football, you know all about that. He has not been the Lamar Jackson that the Ravens need or that we expect him to be. Next on the list, number 12, San Francisco 49ers, obviously just acquired Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers, a big boost to their run game, big boost to their offense. Um, They're so low on my list because I need to see them do it with him first, and I need to see him stay healthy because I still think he's made of glass. Moving on, number 11, Miami Dolphins. Uh, They're back. Look, they're going to climb these rankings of mine very quickly if they continue to win. They only fell because Tua was out and they lost a few games in a row. I got the Dolphins as a as a, a very, very strong 11 team that very easily could be inside the top 10. To round out my bottom five, I got the Tennessee Titans. Uh, as much as I dislike Ryan Tannehill on this podcast, look, they, they lost to the Giants week one. After that, they are four and one the next five weeks. So they're rattling off wins. They're feeding the beast, Derek Henry. Ryan Tannehill is playing well enough. Um, the question marks that I had about them in the receiving game Not that they've been answered, but they've answered the call because clearly they're doing enough to win football games. The defense is holding opponents down. Uh, I don't like Ryan Tannehill, but I like this ball club. They are built for the playoffs. Deej, give me your bottom five. Good. So we have a few of the same, uh, so that's fun. But 15, it's a two and five ball club. You tried to guess it before the pod. You didn't get it. I have the Steelers. Okay. I don't know what it is about them. I like this ball club. I mean, they play the Eagles next week. That's going to be tough. But then Saints, Bengals, Colts, Falcons, like I just like them to get hot, get going. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. I don't know what it is, but I got them at 15. I think there's just potential there. Let me say something about them. Uh, As you look at the teams who are two and four, which are the Raiders, and then the other group of teams that are two and five, as you look at that list, you have Jags, Broncos, Browns, Panthers, Saints, and Steelers. Of that list, your clear-cut winner, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've talked about it before. I love Mike Tomlin. Coaches do go a long way in this league. Uh, I'm not opposed. Continue. Yeah, 14 Chargers. I think you had them 14 as well. Uh, That's the same spot. I know. Kind of the same thing you were saying. Like, I know they can be a dangerous ball club. They really haven't been performing too well, but they've been performing enough. And kind of the same thing you said. I mean, they get to playoffs, they could be dangerous. So, 13. They, before the Brees Hall injury, I was very high on the Jets. Or not very high, but thought more highly of them. I think after this Brees Hall injury, it kind of hurts them a little bit, but I still like them to hang around. So I got them at 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fins, I have at 12. Okay. Because they have all the weapons, obviously with Waddle. Uh, and that one dude, what's his name? Tyreek Hill. Uh, I think they got that guy, yeah. They got him. Uh, just unreal <laughs> receiving core there. Uh, 
I don't know if I really trust them to, so that's kind of why I have them low on my list at 12. Okay. Obviously, the weapons are there, so things could happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, 11, (laughs) I have the Falcons. I don't know. Mariota, decent cube. I think they can make some noise if they get hot. I'm kind of in on the on the Falcons and then I uh, I I I'm sorry to interrupt. I do like the Falcons as well. We've taken them. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but I want to get my as we're going through the board. I want to get my two cents in on the teams as well. Mm-hmm. The Falcons are a good ball club. Okay, let's just say that they're a competitive ball club. I'm not going to say that they're going to make a run in the playoffs or anything like that. But they're a team that you have to take seriously every week because if you don't, they're going to beat you. Why? Just like we saw last night with the Bears and Patriots, they have a good running game and they have a running quarterback. So we said it once, running game travels in this league. Um, They're not even with their leading rusher. Cordero Patterson has been out since I believe week one or week two. They're getting it done with Mariota. They have a rookie, Tyler Algier, who if you have him in fantasy, he's definitely worth a look at starting this week. He scored a touchdown 11 points last week. I think they're going to start giving him more touches. He was a bruiser in college. He could potentially be someone could be a a viable flex play for you. So I don't hate that pick with the Falcons. Um, But with the, with the showing that I saw last week, I would tread lightly on taking their cover every single week. Correct. And then 10, 10 out of the Titans, kind of similar things we were talking about, or you were talking about. I mean, you have Derek Henry, you have a veteran quarterback, even though I don't respect him all that much. He's still kind of a leader type thing. I uh, mm-hmm. really like Vrabel as a head coach. Uh, yep. I'm going to keep Titans top 10 for now. Yes, that's pretty similar. Um, listen, we're doing this to have the discussion. I don't disagree with any of those teams. Uh, I feel like they could make a run at the playoffs. The league is very, it's very tightly packed right now. You have a few teams that separated themselves at the top. Everyone else in the middle, that second tier and that third tier, there's going to be a lot of shuffling going on between now and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So moving into the middle pack, numbers nine through five. Let me get right into it. Number nine, Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith is leading this offense. Uh, I don't know what his ratings are as of right now after last week. You tab uh, they, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> they put a bruising on Justin Herbert and the Chargers in Los Angeles. Um, Kenneth Walker, look. Field Yates talked about it. He's the ESPN fantasy guy. He talked, he's a guy that could potentially be a league winner for those who have him. Uh, Running backs are so thin. They're constantly getting injured, as we saw with Brees Hall this week. To have a guy like Kenneth Walker, who's only a rookie, he's a horse. He can rip off a 70 yard touchdown, which he's done in back to back weeks. Geno Smith is playing lights out. So you add that run game with a quarterback who's playing well. And with a defense who, I'm not saying the Legion of Boom is back, but they have a viable defense. Mm-hmm. I love this Seahawks team, as a lot of you should as well. That division, the NFC West, it's tighter than people think, and the Seahawks are going to be in it for sure. Mm-hmm. Number eight, you mentioned him already. I had him at eight before the Brees Hall injury. I Good. still have him at eight. It's the New York Jets, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, please. They're five and two, right? Seven games into the season, five and two. Brees Hall gets injured. Now, you have a choice to make as, as a front office. My star running back who is developing into possibly rookie of the year, possibly our offensive guy gets hurt. Do I tell the locker room, okay, that's it, and we're just going to do, do the best with what we got? Or do I show them that I'm in it to win it? And that's what they did. They got James Robinson from the Jaguars. Um, 
James Robinson is not Brees Hall, but James Robinson has proven himself to be a three down back. He can catch the football. He can run the football. He, you can give him 15 to 20 touches and he can handle it. So although I expect them to drop off a little bit, given the way that their defense is playing, given that the way that the team is playing as a whole, I expect them to continue to roll and play at a similar level that they have been playing. I got the Jets at eight. Number seven, a lot of people may not agree with this. I got the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I like the Cowboys. If I'm looking at them through an unbiased lens, their defense is probably the best in the league, and that is what's going to bring them to the playoffs and possibly the Super Bowl. It's not going to be the offense. Listen, it's not going to be the offense, okay? Before Dak got hurt that first week against the Bucks, the Cowboys' offense looked kind of stale. They were stuttering. They didn't put up a lot of points. Um, and we saw that again this week, and that could be because they were trying to ease Dak back into the action. But I think it was more symbolic of what the Cowboys' offense is going to be. We thought they were going to be this juggernaut when Dak came back automatically, and I'm here to remind you that they, that may not be the case for whatever reason. Uh, but the defense is going to carry this team as far as they're going to go, and Micah Parsons is going to carry them as far as they can go. Great defense. I think you have them way too high. Nah. Bro, they're it not remains- even top. Yeah. Well, that's that's another that's a different discussion. That's a different right, so discussion. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Keep going. Yeah. I mean, record-wise, too, I mean, they had to make my list. That's just me. Um, And I I also, as much as I dislike the teams in the NFC East division, I respect them because I I respect the hell out of the Giants. I love our ball club. (laughs) Any team out of the NFC East, I'm going to give them props. Number six, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I like this team. The one question mark I have about them is, can Kirk Cousins play the same way that he does at home on the road? Because if you look at his splits at home and on the road, he's two different guys. Their offense, I believe, can keep up with anybody in the league, given Kirk Cousins is playing at that high level. Mm-hmm. If the defense can hold opponents down, which they have a good enough defense, I would put them top 10, maybe top eight defenses in the league. If they can hold offenses down, um, their offense, the Minnesota Vikings, can compete. So I like them as a top six team. Um, I think they really don't have competition in the division. They got two games up plus a tiebreaker on the Packers. They've beaten everybody else. So they're definitely in the driver's seat, and that pick of Vikings to win the division is still looking pretty good for me. What do you got? Nine to nine to six for me. Nine to six. So we got nine Seahawks, kind of the same thing you were just saying. We're both pretty high on the Seahawks. Uh, I think they're easily a team that can make a charge there. Uh, And then eight, I got the Bengals. Uh, They're not the team they were last year, but Joey Burrow is still Joey Burrow. He had a great, Mm -hmm. great game Mm -hmm. last week. Through 481 yards, that ain't bad. Uh, still have Jim Nixon, some good wide receivers. Uh, so I still like the Bengals. Uh, and then seven, I got the Vikes. Uh, kind of the same thing you were saying with Kirk Cousins. That is kind of a challenge. <clears throat> he's kind of old. He's getting a little old, but he's still hanging in there. And mm-hmm. then you said six, right? Six, yes. So now I'm looking at this, and I don't know if I like them there. Uh, I got the Ravens. Ravens at six. Uh, Let me tell you why I don't like that, Derek. I know. Uh, I love I love the Ravens' offense, and I love the Ravens' defense, and I love I love John Harbaugh. So what do you but think? the one one thing I don't love is how terrible they have been in the fourth quarter. Okay, you yeah. get you get to the playoffs. We're fast forwarding to the playoffs now. 
fourth quarter, we, we watch many playoff games. The first half, if it's close, it doesn't matter. Okay. What happens in the first half does not matter. When halftime hits, you wipe it clean, you come out, anything happens in the second half. Um, the Browns had a chance to win. I thought they were going to just because of the way the Ravens have been trending in the fourth quarter. If they can shore that fourth quarter up and hold opponents down and start to score themselves in the fourth quarter, um, I like them to be an easy top 17. But until that happens, they're outside my top 10, and I don't trust them at all. That's pretty fair, but it's still Lamar. It is still Lamar, and that's why they even made the list, and that's why um, I'm hoping they listen to this and use it as some uh, material. <laughs> okay? Put it on the bulletin board. Step it so in. the players – Connor's got you at 13. Prove me wrong, Lamar. Come on, 954 Broward boy. Prove me wrong, <laughs> son. Okay. I'm just here to drive you. All right. Prove That's me. it. All right, then. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Number five, New York football giants. Uh, I love the turnaround that this program has had. We've talked about it last week. They are finding many different ways to win football games. And let me just say this about this team. People don't know Daniel Jones. He's a runner. Ran for 107 yards, all right? Um, he's not turning the ball over. I cannot stress this enough. He is not turning the ball over. He is making right decisions. Dabs is putting him in the right situation to make these decisions. I, I love this team. I'm not going to talk too much about them, but what I will end on is if you're coming into New York or we're coming into your town, when the fourth quarter rolls around, when I'm in your city... <laughs> You better be up by 14 points or more when you get us in the fourth quarter because I'm telling you, we have been down in almost every single game by 10 or 7 or 4. It doesn't matter. They don't blink. They will lock you down on defense, and they will move the ball down the field, give it to Saquon, give it to Daniel Jones. They'll punch it in the end zone. They'll kick a field goal. They are winning games in the fourth quarter, the exact opposite of what the Ravens are doing. That's why I have them so high on my list. We're riding the wave. I cannot wait until we see the Cowboys and then the Eagles in December. Moving on, number four, I got Joe Burr and the Bengals. And I'll tell you why, even though they have a four and three record, even though they have a four and three record, I believe what we saw last week was the beginning of them getting back on track and they're about to hit their stride. They're going to rip off five or six wins in a row. And we're going to be talking about this team, easy Super Bowl contention in the AFC. That offense was clicking. If Joe Burrow plays like that, anybody is going to have trouble beating them, okay? They're special. If the defense can stay playing the way they are, they're a top-five defense, they're going to be okay. It's just going to depend on if the offense can play the way they did on Sunday. Number three, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, led by Patrick Mahomes. Look, these top three teams, they are not separated by much, okay? They're up here because of record. They're up here because of track record. Uh, they're up here because of their quarterbacks. Um I put the Chiefs here because their record is slightly behind the other two teams, but we saw this past week. We thought it was a trap line, Chiefs minus one. It was not, okay? Look, you guys have to understand, Vegas puts out trap lines for almost every single game. They want you to think it's a trap. It's up to us to sniff out which ones are a trap, okay? Chiefs minus one was about as free as it got on, on Sunday. Um, they're a great program, and I know the Niners just got, got McCaffrey, but only one point favorites. I don't care where they are. You got to take that. You got to ride. And they, uh, they made you happy on Sunday. So they look like they're back on track. Um, let's see if they can rip off a win streak or not. Number two, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, six and zero, undefeated. 
Um, obviously, this team is clicking. Jalen Hurts is playing at an MVP level. He's quarterback one and running back one combined into one person. He is so valuable to this team. He has taken his game to a whole different level. As much as I dislike them, I love what they're doing on the football field. They're a quality program. Not going to slander them anymore. I'm taking them seriously. Can't wait to see them in December when the Giants play them. Number one, no surprise to anybody, Buffalo Bills. They're a juggernaut. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, the tightest duo in the league. Uh, when you come play them, you better come correct or you're going to get throttled, period, end of story. That's all I got for you. Um, so that's my top 15. Mm -hmm. It's a lot different than the preseason rankings. I can tell you that. Deej, give me your top five before we finish on the NFL here in week seven. Yeah, let's do it. So number five, I love the ad that the uh, Niners got with CMC, so I got them there. Uh, I mean, obviously they got blown out by the Chiefs, but it really wasn't until the second half where that mm -hmm. kind of took place. Uh, they got up quick 10-0, I believe. Uh, right. Got up quick. Uh, Jimmy G's a good enough quarterback, and then adding CMC, I think that's just a good ad. So I like Niners there at five. Four cards, I got your New York Giants. Let me hear I, why. Yeah, I respect Danny Dimes and, bro, them playing in the fourth quarter. Unreal. That's what you need in the playoffs. That's what you need to win. They have that. So got them at four. They got a great record so far. Uh, I don't think they're frauds. So Yeah, I don't think so either. I think they're here to stay. You better take them seriously. Vegas has not. They're underdogs again this week when they travel to Seattle. Two and a half point dogs last time Ooh. I checked. I don't care, bro. Sports Ooh. books. You're going to learn the lesson eventually, dude. I'll keep slamming that line until I go broke. All right. It's another trap play, of course. How is a That's six a and one team? That's a good line. Nah, it's another a bro. Good line. I'm taking it. You know I'm taking it. No, but I would have had maybe Giants two and a half. But two and a half is a good spread. A good number. Yeah. Good number. I agree. Wow. I agree. Okay. Didn't know that. So three, I got my Kansas City Chiefs. Uh Same. five and two. Great ball club. Uh hopefully we're getting it back into high gear. Uh the offense looks great. Defense not too bad keeping us in games, and then – so now I'm looking at this. I think I just went record-wise on this. Two, I got the Bills. That's fine. Just because Eagles, you know, they're undefeated, but I got the Bills at two. They're a great, great football team. Obviously, their offense and defense just all across the board, great team. Very scary to play in the playoffs. <clears throat> so I got the Bills there at two. I got Eagles number one just because they're undefeated. Um, they're having a great season so far. I don't see them keeping it up or at least staying as strong as they have. Who do they have next week? I think they still have a dub next week. They got the Steelers at home yeah. at 1 o'clock. So they should beat them. But, yeah, I got the Eagles at number one. I don't think they'll stay up there too long. They'll probably get a loss here soon. But as of right now, Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, <clears throat> like you said, not separated by much. Um, good football teams. Yeah, so there you have it. Top 15, DBJFSS, and your host, Connor Archer, giving you the top 15 mm -hmm. as it stands today in our eyes. Okay, week eight, NFL. Let's give you guys a quick look ahead, see if we can find some winners for you on this board. Um, it's going to be an interesting week eight. We're approaching the midway point of the season. Uh, we're starting to see who's contenders and who's pretenders. So <laughs> Thursday night, start off Ravens and Bucks. Ravens come into Tampa as a one and a half point favorite. This game for me is a no touch. Uh, the line, I think it's accurate, but I don't trust either team. So I think we just have to watch and enjoy this one. Um, 
as we get to Sunday, we do have a 930 start again. We got the Jags and the Broncos teeing off in London. So get up early for us. Um, I'll tell you what, I like the Jaguars to win this game, Broncos. but I don't know if I'm going to touch it. Um, but I'm leaning Jaguars just because I think ETN, because of the trade of uh, James Robinson, ETN is the focal point of that running back group of that offense. He's going to get fed. They're going to utilize him in many different ways. Um, and I think you could see this Jaguars team revert back to the team that they were the first three weeks of the season where they were competitive. Don't see it. Um, let's see what we got next. Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I would like to say one thing about this game. I'm not going to give you guys a play. I'm going to give you a lean. And I'm going to tell you to tread lightly. We said it once uh, earlier in the podcast, and we're going to reiterate it here. I lean Falcons minus four and a half solely because the Panthers are trash. Here's why I tell you to tread lightly. The Falcons have not been favored many times this season. They've played well as underdogs. I don't know how they're going to perform when they're favored in the game. That's number one. Number two, it's a division game. Anytime division opponents get together, you really don't know what's going to happen. So I lean Falcons, but tread very lightly in that game. Mm-hmm. Raiders and Saints, I think this is going to be an overlooked matchup. Uh, my gut... Tells you me again, just like last week, Chiefs and Niners rip the over. You understand me? 50.0 points right now. Rip it. All right. Raiders just went off for 38. The Saints have weapons on offense. I believe Winston is coming back. Uh, I'm not saying that's some kind of offensive boost because he has not been playing that well this year, but I think he can be better for this offense than Andy Dalton. So give me the over in that game. That is going to be an official play on the sheet. Um, And I'll tell you what. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a lean on this one as well. Raiders minus two and the money line. I like the money line more just in case they have to kick a field goal and win by one. But the money line is enough to take by itself right now as it stands, mm-hmm. minus 135. The Raiders look like they got back on track. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they're hitting stride and they're going to continue momentum into week eight and they take down the Saints. I like a noon game. Here it is. Bears, Cowboys. Cowboys minus 10. I mm-hmm. love the Bears plus 10 if they keep that momentum going. High offensive power that they had mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, that was last night. No, Monday, yeah. Last night, so I think you just got to keep riding that, taking plus 10. Yeah. Um, the Bears had three different rushers go for 60 yards. They ran for over 240 yards in the game as a team. Mm-hmm. Look, when you run for that many yards, you're going to win a lot of ball games. And they converted, here's a stat for you, they converted 11, 11 third downs. And I'm watching this game, uh, and I mean, it was, I'm watching it as an unbiased fan. It was so deflating to see the Patriots constantly lose on third down. And when you lose that much on third down, you're going to lose the game. The Bears throttled them. They really never had a chance. Even when Zappy came in, rattled off 14 points in less than four minutes. They looked good. Bro, I it thought was the momentum was swinging. I thought, okay. No, it great. did. 100% it did. The momentum swung 100% in the Pats' favor, and then it swung right back. The Bears had five straight scoring drives, okay? They ran the ball right down the Pats' throat. They had no answer for Justin Fields, no answer for Herbert or Montgomery. If they can continue that, uh, a three-headed monster, is it's – it's going to be tough to deal with. So that that will be an interesting game as well. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Deej, what do you have for me with the Giants and the Seahawks at 425? So I know we just talked about the Giants are great. Fourth quarter, this and that. 
Mm, but I feel like the Giants should be favored. Mm-hmm. So it's I just would agree. Thing about. I love the Seahawks. Oh, that's actually that's actually a very tough one. You got to go. Bro, my heart is telling me Seahawks. That's fair. Out loud, the line I, I have. I don't know what book you're on. I'm on Bovada right now. I'm just uh, I told you it was two and a half last night. It's up to three right now. So people seem to be hitting the Seahawks a little bit. Yeah. Um, so they're with you. I'm going to ride. I, I would walk into a steel trap last week. I'm walking into the same steel trap this week. I'm going to place it. It may not be on my official card, but you can know personally, I'm going to be on giants plus three <laughs> and let's uh, let's wrap it up with Packers and bills uh. in week eight. Um, this is a game where Aaron Rodgers was kind of daring his team uh, at his presser last week. He said, hey, we got the Bills coming up, primetime game. It's it's a great time for us to get exposed on national television as if they hadn't been exposed enough through the worst seven, the first seven weeks. But 11-point underdogs coming into this game, as good as the Bills are and as lopsided as this matchup is, be smart. I don't be know smart. if I can take the Bills be smart. for a couple of reasons. The main one being the NFL – we have conspiracy theories. We think it's rigged. I don't really know if it is, but I do know that that, that weird stuff happens during these primetime games. As we saw last night, no one thought the Bears had a chance. They ran all over the Patriots. Tread lightly with this one. Mm-hmm. Bills at home, 11-point favorites. That's two touchdowns, basically. Yeah. All right, It's two touchdowns or a touchdown and two field goals. Obviously, I did the math for you. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but that's a two-score spread there on a primetime game with a team that is just itching to get back on track, tread lightly mm-hmm. over under 47 and a half. Um, look, the Packers need it. They really need it. They're super desperate, but the bills are the bills. What do you got? Okay. So pay attention to what the public's on, but I think they are baiting you so hard to take the Packers just because okay. it's Aaron Rodgers, two score spread. Like they want you to take the pack so bad. I am riding the Bills so hard, pause. I know they're just coming off a bye week. I think they're rested. They're rested. They're ready to go. I love that so much. And I think it's going to be a tight game in the beginning, but Bills Mm -hmm. blown it away, bro. Their offense, their defense. Rodgers is washed up. They have no receiving core. Like, bro, they're baiting you so hard to take the pack. You're only thinking of taking the pack because it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's what everyone's I, I agree. It's two scores. That's the easiest bet. No. Buffalo Bills spread. I think it's you may, have ju- you may have just convinced me live on this podcast. <laughs> we'll see if it ends up on the sheet on Sunday. It's on my sheet, 100%. All right, switching gears. Before we get into the World Series, um, I got two new faces on the pod tonight. Uh, one of them is a buddy from pharmacy school. His name is Daniel, the bottom of your screen. And the other guy is Ben. And I know him through my girlfriend's brother. So... Um, I've known these guys for a few years, and they're here to help me dissect the UFC 280 that happened over the weekend. Welcome, guys. How you guys doing? Daniel, what's up? Hey, happy to be in the sack. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the invitation. <laughs> no problem. I'm glad. What are we, episode nine, and you guys are making your first appearance. How about There it is. There it is. <laughs> Finally. Ben, what's up? What's up, my man? Glad to be here. Awesome. So... First fight, we got Benil Dariush uh, versus Gamrot, and it was a unanimous decision. Uh, Dariush won, so his record is 22-4-1, and, and Gamrot is 21-2 and two in the lightweight division. 
Um, so Ben, why don't you start us off? What did you think about this one? Yeah, man, it was a classic Darius fight and just gritty, gritty, a little bit of everything, wrestling, jujitsu, striking. Uh, I think he's like on an eight fight win streak now. He's highly ranked in the division. I think he's either uh, three or four. And uh, yeah, man, he's one of the guys that could be fighting for the title real soon. Yeah, his his significant strikes. Um, he landed 59. Gamrot only landed 33, and he outthrew Gamrot in that category by 50 by 49 punches, almost 59 strikes. So, I mean, anytime I see the significant strikes higher in one side, obviously I feel like they have an edge to win. Um, the significant strikes I feel like are the ones that give you the the knockout or the near knockout blows. So that's one one category I tend to look at. Um, Daniel, what did mm-hmm. you think? Well, the first thing I thought of was why the hell they gave him Gamrot, you know. Uh, Gamrot is relatively kind of new in the UFC. I mean, the only thing he technically did before this fight is fight Armand. And it was a close, close fight. It was five rounds, kind of back and forth. You could have said that Armand won the fight. You could have said that Gamrot won the fight. But I guess the UFC said, hey, listen, Benil just came from an injury. Let's see how he's doing. So let's pin him up against this guy coming up. And like Ben said, you know, it was just classic Benil. He's really good everywhere he fights. He's good at wrestling. He's good at jiu-jitsu. He's good at striking. And it obviously seems that the injury didn't really do a lot to his game. In terms of the next fight that Benil potentially will get, in my opinion, I thought it was going to be Islam. Because that was the fight to make before this, you know. Before Islam got this fight uh, against Charles, it was going to be Benil against him. You know, they were doing that whole process, but then Benil got injured. So why not him now? You know, he just came back. He won the the fight. But, of course, we all know that Islam is probably going to fight Alexander Wolkanovsky. That's the next fight. Benil Benil was actually supposed to be the backup just in case the main event fell through. But then they decided to bring in Vulcan. He kind of took that spot for him, so Benil just had to go in there and get it done. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure what the UFC thought putting Gamrod against Benil. If anything, it it shows you that the UFC is very selective with the people that they like climbing to the top, like Sean O'Malley, which is also in this card, and people like Gamrod that they're just like, hey, you just want to fight? We'll throw you into the fire. Let's see what you do. Yeah, it is is weird because the top guys – Poirier, Chandler, and 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 Gaethje, they all lost to Charles, but they don't really like to fight wrestlers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Chandler and not Chandler, sorry, Gaethje and Poirier both lost to Khabib. So they kind of, you know, they like to they like to take their time when selecting their matches. So you got Benil on this uh, on this long on this long win streak, and he poses a threat, and these guys don't want to give up their spot. So Benil, yeah. you know what he he did what he had to do. They gave him a lower ranked opponent. He even came out and said. Uh, either yesterday or, or the day of the fight said, Hey, it's not really a risk for me. I know I'm more skilled than this guy. I know I can, I know I can take him out. So why not go in there and make some money and, and cement my ranking? That's the dangerous thing of Benil, man. That's the dangerous yeah. thing. Cause a lot of people aren't like that, especially yeah. in the top. Cause he's number four right now, but he yeah. got jumped up twice. So before mm-hmm. he was sixth, he's six doing these things that a lot of people don't do. And one of the toughest divisions, having an eight by one streak in a lightweight division, considered either a number one or number two division in the sport. Not easy. All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, we had Piotr Jan and Sean O'Malley. Obviously, there was a lot of hype be, uh, behind this one. Uh, you guys saw, obviously saw the presser. Jan shoved O'Malley. 
I think that was yeah. what, the night before, two nights before. Yeah. Um, so that just, I mean, that adds to all the drama. Obviously, we like to see that as fans. That kind of hypes it up. Uh, I'm going to skip to the third round. Uh, if you like CTE, this was the round for you. Let me tell you that because these boys were landing blows on each other and you kept seeing their necks just boom, boom, one after another. And they both were leaking by the time this was over. I think Jan was leaking a little bit more than uh, O'Malley was, but they were beating each other up. It was super entertaining. Um, it eventually went to the judges. And obviously, you know, when it goes to the judges, anything can happen. And O'Malley walked away with the victory, a split decision. Uh, Daniel, what was your reaction to this one? My reaction was, what the fuck? <laughs> I yeah. thought Peter I thought Peter won the fight. I really did. I gave him two rounds. The thing is, in the UFC, yes, yeah, significant, uh, significant strikes matter. But uh, I don't know. Uh, he had six takedowns. He yeah. had so much control time, you know? Mm -hmm. He was dominating the fight. How can you tell me he lost when I'm clearly watching it say, and saying, no, he won. He won the fight. Yeah, you know he got control cut. Line, do you know what the control time was? I think it was I, – I, I remember I saw the stat right after the fight because I was kind of in shock too. I think it was – I got you right Five here. minutes and 44 seconds, right? Five minutes, 44 seconds yeah, for Jan. I remember seeing uh, that. A whole two seconds for O'Malley on yeah. that. So – yeah, that's a big that's a big um, a big stat that obviously the judges had to have take that taken that into consideration. But I'm I'm kind of with Daniel, not to say that I thought Jan should win, but I could easily seen them giving him the victory. Like it could have gone either way, yeah. and that's the thing when you send it to the judges in such a tight fight, it's out of your hands. So, I mean, rel relatively speaking, uh, MMA is still a new sport. You know, only what 20, 25 years in the limelight, really. So, and it's one of the hot topics in the sport is the judging and how terribly inconsistent it is when you have a guy who, who manages to take this, take him down multiple times and not get the decision when it was relatively close on the feet too. I, I, I would have given, uh, Omar the slight edge on the feet, which if I'm being honest, I didn't expect, but, uh, yeah, man, it, I, I, I also had young one in that fight. So I was surprised when, when he didn't get the nod. I mean, I expected Sean O'Malley to be better at the feet simply because of his range. You know, Sean O'Malley's a tall dude yeah. in, this, in this division. You know, Peter Jan, although he is the better boxer on paper, you know, going against somebody that tall, that fast, that lanky, it's tough. You know, yeah. Um, Sean O'Malley got 84 hits while Peter only got 58. And also, Peter's a slow starter. So, yeah. and, and Sean is a fast starter. So that already yeah. gives him an edge. But again, That's true. You said it, inconsistency. It's always the same thing yeah. with UFC judges, inconsistency. How can a one fight, I see a wrestler that has control time that doesn't even hit the other guy once or twice, you know, and wins the fight. But yet this fight, when Peter has the more control time, he has six takedowns. They're saying, no, Sean O'Malley won the fight because of significant strikes. It's just like, okay, are, are, we, are we boxing right now? Yeah. I thought this was MMA. Yeah. You know, I thought we, we mixed it up. And unfortunately, I mean, it's so dumb. Um, the cut, whether it should or shouldn't, whichever side of the fence you lean on, in the eyes of the judges in this sport just has such a big impact. You know, you could be uh, beating someone on the feet, but if they cut you up bad and the judges see that, for some reason, it tends to sway them. So although, you know, you could argue that the fight was even on the feet in the third round, but because O'Malley cut him up with that knee down the middle, you know, that just... 
that really didn't help you on out. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the cut and obviously you see the blood leaking down and it's everywhere in the, in the, in the cage, the optics of it are bad. Exactly. Um, some more numbers before we wrap this fight up. Jan had more total strikes by six. It was 97 to 91. I think this is the way I'm interpreting it. The judges saw 63 to 24 head strikes. And to me, obviously, the head is a lot smaller target than the body or the legs or something like that. So he landed almost triple the amount of head shots, triple the amount of CTE for Jan. That sucks. Um, other than that, Jan had the edge in body shots and leg shots and control time and takedowns. So it really was a split fight down the middle. And when you send it to yeah. the judges, uh, it's, it's out of your control. Go ahead. Let me just ask Ben and you. What happens now with Sean O'Malley? Do you give him the title fight against Aljamain Sterling? That leads into the next fight perfectly. Yeah. Well, the thing is, so it's actually a little bit of this politicking, which Dana White and the UFC are always, they're always going one way or the other with what they say, what they're going to do. They, they came out beforehand and said they were going to give the winner of this fight the title shot. But then Aljo goes out and calls Henry Cejudo and Dana White says he wants to make that fight now. Give give the title shot to Henry Cejudo was a comeback fight. So they they I mean it's always the same shit though. They're they're contradicting themselves of what fights they're gonna make, what fights they should make. Um, but that leads us in perfectly to the next fight, the which was the title fight in that weight class with Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. That's the difficult thing about the UFC giving this fight to Sean O'Malley because now Sean O'Malley went from being what was it twelfth all the way being number one contender. He just skipped so many people. So many people that you might say, okay, now Sean O'Malley can fight, but then why would he? Because now he's number one contender. Yeah. Also, you know? pro- props props to O'Malley, though, because there were a lot of haters, a lot of doubters. You know, with all the love comes a lot of hate. A lot of people said that he yeah. he's crazy for taking this fight. Um, Peter Yan is so much better than him. And even if you thought O'Malley lost that fight, what he did go and do is prove that he belongs in the top of that division because he, he he put on a, a hell of a performance for himself. No, 100%. 100%. Win or lose, Sean O'Malley didn't have anything to lose. You know, yeah. Peter Young's the number one contender. Sean O'Malley's number 12. Yeah. Whatever he did in that fight, even if he lost in people's eyes, you technically won. But even if you lost, you could like he, he has that dog in him. You know, he was getting hit by hard shots that any other person in that division would have just gotten dropped he took it like a champ you could tell that he has a chin yeah you know he you could tell his footwork's there against the, the best of the division because technically peter yan is the best of the division yeah, oh, yeah. beat him. but even in that fight that he beat him there was still a judge that said that peter yan won that fight razor thin yeah so even in that fight you could say peter yan is up there and he beat him you know yeah. technically but he beat him so and i don't even know note. what's next for peter yan one last note Sorry, Daniel. One last note. Um, I think to both of your points, uh, Daniel, you're saying O'Malley is such a low rank. How did he get that fight? And Ben, you were talking about it earlier. The UFC has this agenda. I think there's a great example of that right there. How did he yeah. get that fight? Well, they pick their own fights and they select what they want. So there you go. They, yeah. they choose who it's they hype. want to move up the rankings at the speed that they want. And that's a good example of it. So well, Sean O'Malley has always been a very good businessman in the UFC. From the very beginning, he could have fought somebody ranked, and he said, no, I'm going to keep fighting unranked fighters because I want to keep improving my skills. But also at the same time, he kept doing podcasts. He kept doing his own brand. He kept doing all this stuff, hyping his name up. I mean, Sean O'Malley, people will tune in in the prelims to watch him fight, you know? And he represents himself. He's one of the few few fighters. He's his own manager. So he goes in there and negotiates his own deals with the UFC. So everything everything for Sean O'Malley is going the right way, you know? So maybe 
O'Malley might see one of these guys next. Who knows? Aljamain Sterling, TJ Dillashaw. Um, this fight was before the main event. It was a title fight. I believe it was co-main. Uh, Dillashaw coming in 18-4. and four. Aljamain 21-3. Aljamain won by KO, TKO. Um, go ahead, Ben. What do you have? Yeah, man. I'm a I'm a TJ Dillashaw fan. I watched I watched I watched that dude from when he was a content from when he won the Ultimate Fighter up until he when he beat uh, Hennon Burrell for the title. And at the time, Hennon Burrell was a number one pound for pound. And although he got you know his whole his whole dark dark past with the EPOs and the two year suspension, you know he came back and he put on a good fight against Corey Sanhagen. So I was really rooting for him in this Sterling fight. I knew it would be tough, but I thought he could get it done. But you know. Uh, Dillashaw had that shoulder injury his shoulder dislocated as soon as the fight starts when he was bracing for that first takedown it was just downhill from there even if he didn't have that injury it was still going to be a tough fight because Sterling is just I mean that man is like a wet blanket he gets a hold of you and it's hard to get him off you and he would he went in there and did his thing man he he didn't give TJ uh, a second to breathe before he was even aware of, of the shoulder dislocation and in the second round when he was aware of it he put the pressure on him even more just took him down, didn't let him get up, started hitting him and hitting him. And this is the way it goes, man. Sterling's a champion for a reason. That dude is legit. You smell yeah. blood in the water, right? Like a shark. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Oh, yeah. Daniel, what do you got? Well, from the very beginning, they were saying that TJ was having problems with his shoulder when he was sparring. So my first initial thing is, is then why did you take the fight? You know, that's very yeah. dangerous. A pop shoulder can pop right back especially against Aljamain Sterling with the pressure and the wrestling he has um I'm not a fan of TJ I respect him but from the very beginning I knew he was a snake and he is a snake and then he did <laughs> the snake EPO, in the grass <laughs> the snake in the grass and then he did the steroid thing so I was just yeah. like man I don't like this TJ guy but you know you got to give respect where respect is due he was at the time a really great fighter to be honest I don't even know why he was taking steroids because he was fighting very well well in, but, in, his, in his defense right not his defense, it's, it's indefensible. But his reasoning is, remember, he got popped when he went down to 125 to, to fly with, to fight Henry. So who to knows? fight Henry, but then why fight Henry? Exactly. It was just a bonehead business decision. And he started having troubles in his camp. He became yeah. anemic. He started taking the EPO, so he says. But, you know. Yeah, of course. So he says. So he says. But, yeah, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut it's you off. It's all what they say, dude. It's, it's all what they say. Day. Yeah, no, yeah. But, yeah. As uh, Nate Diaz says, they're all on steroids. Yeah, they're, they're all, all on steroids. steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jermaine continues his streak. You know, uh, he's a great fighter, great wrestler. He's improving in his stand up, very unorthodox. He looks like he's on EPO. But oh, man, that dude. Is, <laughs> that man ripped. is ripped to the gills. Yeah. And he's fighting well. And if he does go against Henry, supposedly. Apparently, the next fight is against Henry Cejudo. If he does come back from retirement, I think Henry Cejudo will have a very hard time with him. Just but too big. Too big. He's I big. Mean. He's big, and he has the momentum, you know? Yeah. He beat Peter. He beat now TJ. Nah, he's just going to keep steamrolling. People, I mean, a lot of people give him flag because of what happened in the first Peter Yawn fight. If you don't know, Peter Yawn was beating him handily. And he's, then, he, and yeah, he was beating him handily. Aljo looked like a like fish out of water out there. And then... Peter Yan hit him with an illegal knee to a down opponent. Yeah. And he kind of milked it. He acted it. Like everybody would. I mean, yeah, exactly. 
He didn't fuck up. Hate for nothing. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's just hate for nothing. Because when you ask the same people that say, no, he's an actor, he's this, he's that, he's just like, okay, you're in that position. You're losing the fight. It's for a title. And they, they hit you illegally. What are you going to do? Oh, no, I'm yeah. fine. Let's keep going. Of course not. Give me that damn exactly. belt. But you're at the end of the day, the, the casuals the focus day. too much on one incident, though. You look at Sterling's resume. I mean, he beat Jimmy Rivera, who at the time was highly ranked. He steamrolled Corey Sanhagen, who was mm-hmm. considered the best striker in the division. I mean, absolutely got his hands on him within 15 seconds and choked him out unconscious. Then he oh. beat Peter Yan. Now he runs through uh, through Tito Dillashaw. You got to give the man his props. The dude is champion for a reason. Yep. And like you said, if, if he fights, like Daniel said, if he fights Cejudo, I don't think that fight's going to go the way Cejudo thinks it will. That man's too big, too fast, too strong, and he's got the momentum on his side. Yeah, we'll see. Um, at the end of the day, for me, like you're saying, Sterling, like, you know, he didn't make the call. He took the illegal knee. I mean, if he acted a little bit, so be it. He was losing the fight. It is a title fight. He didn't throw the knee, right? Yeah. He just took it. It's out of his control. Um, at that point, it's the ref's decision. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I think he deserves the title at this point. I mean, like you guys were talking about, he, he's beaten a ton of people in the division. Um, so I have no hate for Sterling. I think he's a good guy, and I think he deserves that belt as of right now. But last fight we got, main event, Charles Oliveira, Islam Makachev. Um, Makachev won by submission. I mean, I don't know if that's a surprise to anybody seeing how good mini Khabib is at submission. And I'll tell you what, you guys were talking about the list that Oliveira has beaten. It's a very long list. I can't even remember it, but the names that you guys were rattling off, even I knew them. And as a casual UFC fan, those are decent names to where like, you know, I thought he would give Makachev a run for his money. And I think he did, but at the end of the day, still mini Khabib is scary as hell. And the fact that Khabib is in his corner the fact that he trains like him, he 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 fights like him, and he's so good uh, on the mat. I mean, yeah, I, I thought Oliveira would cause more problems on the mat personally, but he made slight work of him. He really did. Ben, what do you got? Yeah, man. Uh, that it's hard. Charles was coming off. I mean, three banger of fights, right? I mean, the 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 momentum and and fandom this guy had. I mean, just easily one of if not the most exciting fighter in the division but when it comes to that dagestan style of wrestling man even they they neutralized the best jiu-jitsu guys in the world and islam went in there to do what he had to do man and he's better on the feet than khabib is he is so people go in there and they i guess fighters go in there with this mentality that oh this is like this is like khabib uh i can't let him get close to me i can't let him put me up against the fence get that body lock but his arm can crack too. So he's 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 like Khabib. You know, his teammates and coaches go out there and say he's the only guy that that goes toe to toe, even beats Khabib in the gym sometimes. And he's got the stamp to go with it. it. It showed Charles, like he usually does, he goes in there, he starts putting pressure on him immediately, and Islam cracks him with a straight right, puts him on his heels immediately. And he knocked him down before he got on top of him and submitted him. So I think uh, much like Khabib, I think Islam is going to be the champ for a long time, and there's really no one, no one that, that can pose any sort of threat to him at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I don't know. He's scary. Every Dagestani that comes from Khabib's team is scary. Um, I don't know what they feed him. I don't know what they do. <laughs> He's scary. From the very beginning, 
the only way you would say that Charles Oliveira was going to win was stand-up. Why? Because you've never seen Islam stand-up. Every time he fights, he just goes for, you know, sometimes he shows a little kick, sometimes he shows a little boxing, but usually it's the same thing like Habib, same thing as the Dagestani. He goes for the wrestling and he shows he's the superior wrestler. He gets the submission and he wins. This time, he shows that his stand-up, like Ben says, is not like Khabib's. is actually really good. He has power. He's a strong guy, so obviously he has power. And then I think it surprised Charles. But at the same time, Charles, he had three banger fights, and all three of them, he got knocked to the floor. You know, the first one, he almost got knocked out by Michael Chandler. The second one, Dustin Poirier had him real hurt. And the third one, Justin Gaethje also hurt him. So Charles gets cracked a lot, which is what makes him so exciting. He always comes back. You know, that's why even me seeing this fight on paper, obviously you would say Islam Makachev will win, but I was saying, no, Charles is going to win. Because he came back three times. You know, you, he has this belief with the blonde hair coming with <laughs> 20 guys to Abu Dhabi saying, oh, no, you don't want to fight in Brazil. I'll go to Abu Dhabi. Yeah. You, you just wanted to believe him. But, you know, unfortunately, Islam is on another level. I heard that they spent maybe 500K or some ridiculous number amount of money on his camp. Yeah. For Islam, it's just like, how, like you know, how can he fucking, how can he lose? I feel for Charles. I really do. I don't know. Just, he'll come back. He'll come back. I'm, oh, of course, he'll come back. He said it in right there in the octagon right after he lost. He told Dana, "Make I want to stay active. Give me another fight. Maybe they'll do Benil against him. Who that would knows? be a good fight. That would be yeah, a good who fight. Knows? Yeah. Who knows? So I got one last thing for you guys uh, before we wrap this up. Um, you guys touched on it briefly already, but with this win, uh, People are looking at, obviously, Makachev's ranking across the entire UFC. So I'm going to ask you guys, uh, give me your final thought. Where is Islam Makachev pound for pound as a fighter in the UFC? Daniel, lead us off. Well, right now the UFC is saying he's number three. I don't agree with that. You know, he just went over so many people that have been champions and been defending it for a while. I mean... Straight off the bat that I'm seeing the list, he already surpassed Aljamain Sterling, which we just talked about. Yeah. You know, that just beat Peter Jan, that just beat TJ. How can he be better already pound for pound than is than you know than Aljamain Sterling? I'm not saying Islam isn't better than Aljamain Sterling, but pound for pound shouldn't be a popularity contest. You know, pound for pound should be stats, it should be numbers. And it was a big deal when when Alex became the pound for pound. Kamar Usman was up there for so long. But before Kamar Usman, it was John Jones for like four years and he, had, he hadn't even fought. So you can tell that pound for pound isn't in the UFC isn't really pound for pound a lot. You know, it's a very popularity thing. I don't know. He's third right now, in my opinion. He should be maybe fifth. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Ben, there's how, a, do you, how do you there's respond a, to that, Ben? There, no, no. I, I, agree with, I agree with Daniel. So the pound for pound thing, there's like three things to look at, right? There is just, cause when you look at a fighter, you can tell how skilled they are. I mean, it happened with Khabib. It happened with Islam. When they fought for the title, they hadn't fought any top five. I think they had each fought one top 10 uh, ranked opponent in their, in their weight class, but you could just look at them and be like, this dude's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem for a long time. The other way to look at it is, is their resume. Like Daniel said, I mean, he hasn't really fought anybody. Um, I don't want to say that. It's not that he hasn't fought anybody. He, his, the caliber of his opponent relative to the skill in his weight class isn't like these other guys in the pound for pound, like a Kamar Usman 
who defended against the one, two, and three, like Volkanovsky, who's defended against the one, two, and three. You know, he's really he he just won the belt. So I think it does do a little bit of a disservice to the other guys who have proven time and time again that they're the number one in their division to rank him so highly. If you're looking purely at his skill set and you say, hey, pound for pound, if these guys all weighed the same weight, you could make an argument that Islam's skill set is the best of all of them. But he just I don't think he has the resume yet uh, to to be ranked that highly. So I'd probably have him around the same range as, as Daniel said around five or six, you know, let him defend the title a couple of times against the, the top ranked guys in his division in, in, in a dominating fashion, which I'm sure he will. And then you can talk about him being, you know, one, two or three on the pound for pound list. Right? A big deal too. I'm sorry, Connor. A big deal too is that now looking at the rankings, Leon Edwards is still under Kumar Usman. But Leon Edwards beat Kamar Usman, right? Yeah. But then you would make the argument, well, of course he's under him. Kamar Usman defended his belt. He almost won the record. Like, he almost tied the record. So, obviously, he's under him. But yet, they put Islam on third because Charles, I guess, was up there. So, then they just replaced them. So, then why, when Islam does it, you do it? But not when Leon Edwards does it. Why? Because Leon yeah. Edwards is low-key. Before Leon Edwards beat Kamar Usman, no one wanted Leon Edwards to fight. I remember when Leon Edwards was going against Bilal Muhammad, people were like, oh, Bilal Muhammad's going to win. What do you mean? Leon yeah. Edwards is in like an eight-fight win streak. He's a great yeah. striker. He's super tall. How is he going to win? Oh, just, you know, just, you know, Leon Edwards is not that good. He's kind of boring. That, okay. Shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter, you know? But yeah, the way it is. Like I said, pound for pound in the UFC is different. Yeah, I said, there, I said there were three components, the skill, the resume, and the third one I forgot to mention was like exactly like Daniel's pointing out, the popularity. Unfortunately, it plays a part in it, which it shouldn't. It should be based solely on, on merit and skill, but it does. So that's just the way the UFC's found repellent is a little wacky. With, with popularity, uh, one name kind of comes to mind, for me at least. Uh, is, is Kobe Covington even in this discussion for you guys? He isn't uh, even on the list. Yeah, he isn't even on the list. I mean, he's he's tried to fight. He's tried to take that buff from Kamaru Usman twice and, and failed. Um, yeah. But actually, I have a. <laughs> it's a, it's a stupid it's a stupid story about Kobe Covington. It's so dumb. All right, let it rip. So, <laughs> so Kobe Kobe's known as like the big loud mouth, you know, disrespectful persona. He says what he wants when he wants. So I remember when he first came out with this persona because he was a nice guy uh, before that. Uh, I went on his Instagram right when he started saying all this brash stuff. And I was like, I was like looking at his old posts and I found an old post of his. With, I think he posted a picture with his mom and like an internet troll. I just left a comment. I was like, bro, if you want this persona to feel authentic, like you got to delete all these old sentimental posts. And I didn't think anything of it. A couple of months later, I actually, uh, I took a, a kickboxing class at ATT, American top team where he used to train before all that all that drama went down with him and Mazdal. And as I was leaving, I saw him in the lobby and we made eye contact because I was looking in his direction. And I'm so dumb. in my head, I'm like, this dude wants to kill me. He's probably reading all his internet comments and he knows my face. Of course I walk by him. He doesn't even mind me no attention. But I just thought it, I just thought it was so funny. Cause that's so unlike me to leave troll comments. But this is just I mean, when he came on the scene with this stuff, it was so out of the blue. You could tell it was so fake. People say that he, that's who he is now, but you could tell. So I, I just made some stupid little comment like, bro, come on. You got you to gotta, you gotta treat like WWE. You know, the persona's got to be everything. 
So I, I, I thought it was really funny when I did that. Yo, that's hilarious because there's so many trolls out there on the internet. And obviously you're not one of them. You just left a comment, whatever, but there's so many trolls out there on the internet and you leave this, this comment as this keyboard warrior and you never expect to see that person <laughs> on the other side of it. And for that shit to come true real life for you, uh, I think that's pretty whack. It is but, whack, man. I, and I feel stupid because I, I, I love this. Why I respect the fighters so much, man. So I never, I never talk. To, I, I, right hand to God when I say that is the only like negative, like troll style thing I've ever put online about any fighter. Cause I, 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 I love this damn sport. So I just think it's so stupid. <laughs> so when Kobe listens to this episode, uh, he'll come after you. Definitely. He'll come after me. He'll recognize my yeah, face. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll just turn around. I'll go the other way when I see him. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate your time, really. Um, I think the discussion was good. I definitely couldn't have talked about it the way you guys did. So I really appreciate your time. And we're going to get you guys back on here real soon when there's another card like this. So thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, man. All right. Last gear switch. We're going from UFC to the MLB. Uh, Let's recap the LCS real quick. Um, I'm going to talk about the Phillies briefly before I get into my New York Yankees, who were an absolute disappointment. Yeah, they are. The Phillies, they're riding that wave. They were riding it last week. They're still riding it. Harper was the LCS MVP. He batted like 400, 8 for 20, a few bombs. Um, Again, said it last week, said it the week before that and the week before this. The hottest team wins the world series a lot of the times. Okay. And the Phillies are as hot as it gets. Um, the only reason I'm hesitant on taking them to win the world series is because I know the Astros are America's villain and a lot of people are going to be on the Phillies, but give me the Phillies a, because I hate the Astros B because they are a great program right now. The mm-hmm. offense can keep up with the Astros. I will tell you that mm-hmm. not to get too much into the world series preview, but the offense can keep up with the Astros. It's going to come down to the pitching. Yeah. Um, so the New York Yankees got swept by the Houston Astros. And I kn- they got swept, dude. They got swept. Yeah. And I know you love that. And as I much as I that hate that, as much as, as much <laughs> as I look, I, I, I've had a couple days to digest this before coming on the podcast, and I'm almost still at a loss of words what to say about this team. What can you you come out of you come out of this gate of the season. They won like 50 out of their first 65 games, just clear cut best team in baseball, and then they hit an absolute brick wall. All right, um, I don't know what happened during the dog days of the season because they did start to play better towards the end of August and in the month of September. But in the months of June, July, and the most of August, they were a dog water program. And they were pretty much the team that you saw in the LCS series. Some numbers for you. New York Yankees team batting average in the ALCS, 162. Mm-hmm. Three home runs in four games. A 269 slugging percentage. Derek, I'm trying to tell you, if they had a 269 batting average, that would be really good, yeah. But like... That's a batting average number. We're talking slugging percentage. We're taking Fucking doubles, slug. triples, and homers into account there, and we're batting 269. I mean, come on, Bronx Bombers? You yeah. got to be kidding me, bro. You got to be kidding me. Let's look at uh, uh, this number that a lot of people look at in today's game. 
strikeouts offensively. The Astros did a very good job. Have to give them credit. They only struck out 25 times through four games compared to the Yankees, 50. And I okay. think Judge had 49 of those. Aaron Judge, man, he had a great season. I'll get into him in a second. Super cool uh, to hear those toddies. That's awesome. Good for him. Yeah, it is awesome. But we'll, we'll, let, me, let me get there when I get there. But the you fact that they doubled up the Astros on strikeouts, those are at-bats where – Nothing is happening productive. You're not getting on base. You're not moving the runner over. You're letting the pitcher mow right over you. And for a team like the Yankees, they are built for strikeouts, but you still can't be striking out 50 times in four games. It's unheard of. You're not going to win. Now let's get to the pitching. Um, We'll talk about this in a second when we get to the World Series, but I got to give it to the Astros. The pitching is electric. Uh, They had a 1.5 team ERA that includes starters and bullpen throughout the four games. So their pitching held us down. Um, I think the fact that their pitching is so good and the offense of the Yankees was stuttering so bad, that's what you're going to get is you're going to get a 1.5 ERA. I think they could have climbed closer to a 2.5, a 3 ERA if the Yankees did anything. Um, But the Astros dominated. They got Verlander. They got Valdez. They got Christian Javier. They're set in the starting rotation. They have a solid bullpen. Um, What do you have in your hand? You, what do you have in your hand, bro? I'm gonna curse one more time. You're a piece of shit. All right. Wept. Yeah, whatever. That was a Swiffer, not even a broom. (laughs) What their fucking cheeks they got. That's it. That's all you had to say. Two more points about the New York Yankees. I got two more points for you. SMA. Okay. Yeah. Who who's to blame for this sweep, right? You got Cashman, you got Boone, you got Judge, you got three heads that a lot a lot of people are looking to put the blame, blame on. Blame one head. We know who. I'll I'll blame one head. Who you got? Aaron Boone. <laughs> okay. This guy, I I'm gonna hey, lose hey, myself. Let it out. Let it this out. guy is the biggest airhead in all of MLB baseball. The mm-hmm. fact that the Yankees, okay, I understand why they hired him when they did. Sure, it might have been a good hire but they let him manage the team for this long with mediocrity. And they continue to let him make the same airhead decisions over and over game in and game out. And I just can't stand to look at it anymore. If he's not canned by the, by the weekend, <laughs> I may not watch this program next year. I swear to God, I keep looking at my team waiting on the ESPN and the MLB notification to come through. Aaron Boone has been fired by the Yankees and it has not come through yet. And I don't understand why. I think he's the problem. Look, let me get into judge. I said earlier on the podcast that he could come into negotiations and ask whatever he wanted from the Yankees. I am retracting that statement. Keep playing that violin. I will retract that statement. And here's why I'll tell you, I'm not in these meetings. Okay. And I don't know entirely how it's negotiate. No, I'm not, but I don't know how these negotiations work, but I can tell you one thing. I know that the Yankees care about, championships that's what they're built on that's it they don't care that you get to the playoffs they don't care that you won the division they don't care that you won 50 out of the first 70 that does not matter they don't care that you broke the al season single season record for home runs they care about world series titles okay judge laid an absolute egg in the postseason and i can't blame it all on him okay because the entire team did the same thing josh donaldson looked like he never swung a baseball bat before I had never seen so many swords from a seasoned player in my entire life. That boy was lost. Okay. 
But I believe that Aaron Judge lost some leverage in his negotiations, and I do believe that he lost some money in his deal when it comes from the Yankees because they're going to go in there and they're going to say, yeah, dude, you had a great year. You kicked ass, and you are the reason that we got to where we were in the postseason. But but you were a stinker. You What did you give us in the postseason when it mattered most? You gave us nothing. You gave okay? us nothing. And I'm here to say if the Giants want to outbid the Yankees for Aaron Judge – let them have Aaron Judge, okay? I will, I will be in pain. That is a cornerstone piece that is going to be very tough to let go, but I don't believe Judge is worth $40 million a year. If the Giants want to give him that, so be it. If Judge leaves, you blow up the entire roster, and I'll tell you one thing I've been thinking about. I've said it earlier on the podcast. The rules are changing. You're not going to be, able to be allowed to shift next year, okay? The contact hitter is going to be back and better than ever. Okay. Obviously the contact hitter was, it had, they had an advantage when they came up against the shift because they could shoot the ball the other way through a gaping hole. But a lot of times teams wouldn't shift right against these contact hitters. Now teams are not allowed to shift. So you have guys who are going to be looking at a field with a lot more space on it. Okay. I think you're going to see guys hit for more average. You're going to see strikeouts come down in the league, which is what we want right? We want to see more balls in play. We want to see more action. The Yankees need to adjust that because if they keep the same lineup that they kept this year, they are going to be screwed. Okay. I don't know that they'll make the playoffs next year. I promise you that they're not built for the rule changes. They need to get guys like Benintendi, guys like LeMahieu, guys like Bader, who had a great postseason, guys like judge who can hit for contact when they're not slumping guys like Donaldson. I know he's going to be back. We owe him $21 million. He's going to be back. I believe he's going to bounce back and have a decent season. But guys like Donaldson, Stanton, Hicks, guys who strike out a lot, I don't know the logistics of it. They got to go. Yep. Okay. Stanton and Hicks are the two main ones for me. They have to go. Someone, We got to get someone to take those contracts and get them off the team mm -hmm. because Stanton had a good year, yes, but I'm over him. We gave him four, five, six years. We gave him a chance. And I'm at the point where I'm feeling a little bit insane with this Yankees organization. I feel like we keep doing the same thing. We add a piece here or there. We add a pitcher here or there. It's the same result. Okay. Change something, figure out how we can get over that hump and beat that scum organization in Houston, because I'm sick of it. Yankees fans who actually know what they're talking about are sick of it. And Aaron Boone needs to figure it out before I lose my mind and just quit watching this team. We'll be gone. So that's what I have on the ALCS, and that's what I have on the Yankees. Um, we're going to move on and, and end this episode with – I think you just talked for 35 minutes crying about your – Well, I got everything off my chest. <laughs> Do you feel I feel, I feel, feel better? I feel good. Okay, I'm light right now. I feel light, and I'm ready to – I'm, I'm looking at this World Series preview with clear eyes yeah. right now. We got Phillies, we got Astros. And before I hand it off to Derek and see what he's got to say about it, I'm going to give you what I think. Um, I told you already, I think the public is going to be hammering the Phillies be just because the Astros are America's villain and no one likes them. I'm picking them right here on this podcast. I'm sure Deej is going to as well. I'm picking them. I picked them against the Padres. I'm picking them again against the Houston Astros. I hate Houston. I love what the, the wave that the Phillies are on. Give me the Phillies as the underdog. Okay, here's how they're going to win. Okay, the offense is blazing hot. Everybody in that lineup is seeing a beach ball. You're not going to stop that offense. Okay, 
can the Phillies starting rotation keep up with the Astros? Because like I said before, the Astros rotation, best in the league, definitely best in the LCS uh, remaining teams. Okay. Cause obviously the Dodgers may have had an argument with the Astros in terms of starting rotation, but they weren't in the LCS. So with the four teams in the LCS Astros clear cut favorites with starting rotation, clear cut favorite going into the world series. If that hot Phillies offense can get to the starters and put runs up on the board, which I believe they can, they're going to win this series. It's yeah. over. Um, it's a bad look for Girardi because he got fired and now the team might go to the World Series and win it. But it is what it is. I don't think he's a player manager. Sometimes, clearly, that's what you need to get a team going. Uh, I love the Phillies. Wheeler, an absolute ace. Nola, pitching very well. They got Cindergaard. Okay. They got Hoskins on offense. They got Baum on third base. They got Real Muto behind the plate, who is the best catcher in the game. And they have Bryce Harper, who is showing everybody that he is MVP level. To me, yeah, he got hurt for 50 something games this year, mm -hmm. but I, I think he's ready to go at the right time. He was kind of saving something. He was ready to go. He said, if the Phillies make the postseason, I'm going to pop. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw this, but I thought it was a really cool, like human moment in the uh in game five of the alcs so they were down if you missed it they were down by uh two runs in the eighth inning bottom of the eighth inning against the padres harper comes up long story short rips an oppo taco two run homer put the phillies up by one they wound up winning the game at that score he gets back into the dugout and he's looking at one of his teammates whatever he was like oh my god i just did that like that's a surreal moment. You just put your team ahead in a, you know, in a AL or an NLCS clinching game. Mm -hmm. That's goosebumps. That's the type of stuff you dream about. Uh, I'm taking that to the bank. Phillies all the way. What do you got? Never thought you'd stop speaking. Thank you for finally stopping. I'm glad you got. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling right now. Okay. No, I I'm rolling. I, I, dude, I did my homework. I yeah, was ready. All right. What do you have? And I did my homework. Yankees got swept. I got Phils in six. I hate the Astros. Everyone hates the Astros. Phils in mm -hmm. six. Hottest ball club wins. That's all I hey, got. That's it. Come out. Look. Did you, I didn't even know Syndergaard was on the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Now that I know that, Phils in six. And that's a wrap. Talking balls, episode nine. Look, we got a lot of shit done today. Yeah. I cursed again. I think that's only four curses in about an hour of, of, of film bad. time here. We're doing good. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be back next week. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have more NFL. We're going to have more World Series predictions. Hopefully the series is still going on to where we can talk about it and we'll be right in the middle of it, getting to the latter half of it. Um, when does that I start? Don't know. That starts on Friday. I knew Because obviously they were expecting the, the series to go longer than four and five games. Right. Naturally, well, but we'll start that on Friday. One only went four because yeah. it takes four to win a series. Best uh, of seven, yeah. Best of seven, one. So, who, who yeah, four, four would do it. Four will do it, yeah. And that's going to be it, Deej. Deej, I want to thank you for your time. I'll be cordial as you're being an ace. All right, sure. always appreciative of your time, guys. <laughs> DMs are open. Phone line, personal line is open. Let me know if you want to come on the pod. I had some new faces. Look, come on. Let me know. We're taking off, okay? Production's here. I'm pumping out the episodes and talking balls. We're still going to the moon, baby. We're still going, okay? KC Current Moneyline, money okay? Ride it. I'm Take taking it. it. It's got to be We're taking it here in a sec. Somewhere. Someone's got to <laughs> 
Someone has it. Someone has it. If Bovada doesn't, your local bookie does. Find it. Put put half your mortgage on it. Okay. Because we got it. We got insider info on the KC Current. Yes. All right. (laughs) We're signing off from the sack. It was a great episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.